Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. Amen. Thanks, Bob. How's everybody doing tonight? All right. Summer is here. We go from winter to summer. That's how New England works, right? So, uh, but that's okay. We're, we got the good weather. And, um, you know, as, as this uh, series starts to wind down with just a few weeks left, this faith series, I wanted us to just kind of go back to where we kind of began and what launched into this faith hall of fame. And that really is, it's, you see, it's the first verse of Hebrews 11, which you see all the time on, on the banner, right, where he began this by saying, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, but especially this piece, right, the conviction of things not seen, right? So, so to have, remember, we've talked about conviction. Conviction isn't just kind of saying you believe something. It's something deep down inside, and it drives your purpose, your passions, your life, who you are, what, how you want to live, how you seek to live. Those are your convictions. It's one thing to say, yeah, I go to church, and I believe in God and all that. But does it actually mean something in your life? Now it's conviction, right? And so he's saying, the Hebrews writer's saying to this weary church that the conviction is actually in things not seen in the Lord. So as we kind of look at victorious faith when it's against all odds, as we're going to see, and we've kind of really been coming back to this theme over and over again, I want to play a, this clip from a movie I know you've seen. If you haven't, we can't be friends, all right? Most of you are like, I don't care. I don't really want to be your friend, and I don't blame you, all right? But you probably have. If not, it's okay. Um, and, and when you're watching this clip, I've played this before, but I just think it's perfect for this, this theme. Um, I don't want you thinking, man, I wish I had stayed home from church and watched this movie, okay? Or, uh, man, when am I going to watch this movie again when I get home? So I want you instead to pretend that you are Indiana Jones, all right? And Indiana Jones, uh, as you might remember, is he's, his father is dying and he's got to hurry and pass a series of tests. It really riddles that it could kill him if he doesn't do the right thing. And he comes to one specific thing where he has to have faith, he has to have conviction of things not seen. So let's watch that together. Yay, Indiana Jones. All right. 
Um, some of you are like, I want to go home and watch that now. You'll get home. It won't be too long, okay? So, but as you, as you watch that, and, and, um, and actually, if you remember the scene, too, after he gets across, because he, he knows he's probably going to have to return, he does a smart thing, and he kind of throws some pebbles and some sand so then he'll see it because basically it's so blended in with the, with the walls, right? And how many of us feel that way sometimes when we know God's called us and, and it just feels like, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see how that's going to happen the way God says it's going to happen. I don't see that ever being a good thing for me. And that's what's happening to this church. Remember, they, they're at a precipice of faith, right? That, that they're being persecuted and they're supposed to go a way God's called them to do and, 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 and go and in a certain way. And it's, and it's meaning prison. It's meaning all kinds of stuff that, that, that they're like shrinking back. In fact, some are even giving up their, or, or threatening to give up their hope they have in Christ and, and turn completely away. And that's why the Hebrews writer wrote this. And that's why he wants to encourage us. When you're at that precipice of faith, right, to, to think, to have the conviction of things not seen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this Hebrews writer. Lord, I can't wait to meet him and know who he is. <laughs> because his words, you gave a Holy Spirit centuries ago, are so powerful even for us today. I ask that you would give us um, here and now not just a casual look at your word, but a deep spiritual drink from your truth. Only you can do that, God. I ask you to hover here and move in our hearts, including mine, to where you want us to go and give us the courage to trust you in it. It's in Jesus' name all God's people said. Amen. Amen. So we are going to actually start where we started last week because we only covered four guys, so don't panic. We're going to look at some more. Uh, and that's Hebrews chapter 11, um, verse 32. That's where we, we began last time. So, uh, so if, uh, we'll put it on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, and we also, you'll notice, we have our pew Bibles back in uh, the pews. Lori's very excited about that. Uh, so if you do want to use one of those, just leave it behind uh, after you're done or uh, if you do not own a Bible, take it with you. It's our gift. We want you to have God's word, right? Um, so as, as people might be looking to open there, um, coming in June, something really exciting, we have another believer's baptism happening. Um, so a lot of you, if not all of you, have either experienced that or seen that. Um, that's basically where we fill up this tank, and somebody who is a Christian has, has put their faith in Jesus as Lord and as Savior, and they know that, and they feel that conviction of that, right? That they identify with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection by fully going under the water and coming back out, right? So a lot of you probably have seen one of those, maybe even here. And, and so I would invite you, if you're someone you say, yes, I am a Christian, maybe you be came one today or maybe decades ago, but never had the opportunity to proclaim that publicly to either send us a message, see me right after, it's not a lot of us, so I'll be out there, see me, and we can answer any questions, and we can uh, involve you as well if that's something that you need to do. Maybe that's your step of faith, because it's a scary thing getting wet in front of a bunch of people, but it's an awesome thing, right? So, um, so let us know if that's something that you have have questions about, uh, and, and at the very uh, least, or best, however you want to put it, just be in prayer for those who are going to be baptized, and maybe for those who are considering it, but are a little nervous about it, 
All right? Okay, good. So, uh, this, if, if you remember from last week, we, we saw this verse, and I'll just read it to start us. It says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets. And remember, he kind of was going slow in the beginning of this faith hall of fame, right? He was Genesis and Exodus and Moses and Abraham, all these guys. And now, and now it's like he's like on overdrive. He realizes, I, I got to speed this up. And he covers in one verse an entire, like, huge time frame of Israel's history. And so last week we looked at the judges. So you'll have to go back for that message if you, you weren't here for that. But, but then he, so he's got the period of the judges, those first four guys, and we saw faith and flaws because those guys were seriously flawed. And then he gives us David and Samuel. Samuel would pretty much represent all of the prophets. He's the first sort of formal prophet right, that, that God had in that period of history. There'll be many to follow, but he kind of encapsulates all of them. And David, all of the kings. Why? Because David was the best, the greatest king Israel ever had until the one who would be greater, Jesus Christ. And so what he's saying here, I think, is in all of this, and he's about to say what happened in this time period through all of these different times of, of, of faith, but he's saying you can look back in that history and you can see all these times where against all odds, these, these, these people had faith. They stepped out in that precipice, and so can you. And so especially uh, we could... We could spend weeks just looking at all different examples of that, but I wanted to just pull out one from that, that no matter what your church background, I bet you're familiar with it, even as familiar as you are with Indiana Jones. And that is in David's life, when he was a young man, and he faced off against one of the greatest warriors this world has ever seen, the Philistine warrior, Goliath. Heard of that one? Right? David against Goliath? So it, it kind of goes like this. I won't read the whole thing. Um, because a lot of us are familiar with it, but even if you aren't, it's just this amazing account where David is a young man and he's still kind of watching sheep for his dad and his older brothers are with King Saul and the army and they're fighting the Philistines. And so uh, David's dad, uh, Jesse, says, hey, you know what? Uh, I want you to, to, to go to the battlefield and bring some food for your brothers and for the other soldiers. And so David gets, you know, his bread, and he's got his little shepherd tools and stuff, and he heads off to the battlefield. Meanwhile, the Philistines are on one kind of hill, right? And you have Israel on the other and a plain in between. And they're not fighting, right? They're just kind of staring. It's a, it's a stare con contest, right, competition. And, and so it, one of the things that would happen back then is sometimes you could actually take your best warrior and challenge the other side's best warrior to do kind of an ultimate fighting contest. Whoever wins is the victor of the battle. And so Goliath is this mammoth, huge warrior with all this armor. Everybody's terrified of him. And he comes out day after day. You remember? Day after day. And I don't, I mean, I think the Bible is kind to probably the things that Goliath said every day. Colorful language about mocking them, mocking their God, saying, you're pathetic. You have nobody that can, just bring somebody who can beat me. Day after day, and they're just terrified because that's the precipice, right? That is against all odds. Nobody can beat this guy. He's the ultimate fighter, right? No way. This guy was made to fight. And so meanwhile, David comes to town with bread and, and food, right? And he, and he shows up as Goliath comes out and does that. You know, David's like this young shepherd kid, right? He's, I mean, he's a young man, but he's still not what he'll turn to, into being. And he's just like, well, who's going to fight him? 
We can't let this guy badmouth God, right? And so everyone's all easy, little, you know, shepherd boy. Just calm down over there. You know, it's easy for you to say. And especially his brothers weren't real happy. And so he's like, well, if no one else will do it, I will. I'll do it. And so he actually convinces King Saul to let him do it. Saul tries to put his armor on him. That was way too big for David. He just wasn't strong enough to carry it. So David's like, forget all of this. And he goes into the, as Goliath comes out, David goes and he says, I will do it. And so there they are. All David has is his little shepherd tools. He has a little, little bag with some stones that he would kill off wild animals protecting the sheep. And Goliath has all of his armor, right? And they're facing uh, off. And, and uh, this is what happened. The Philistine cursed David by his gods, meaning Goliath's gods. The Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. In other words, I'm going to crush you, you little puke. What do you think this is? You're going to challenge me? This is all you got, right? So David uh, decides to respond. He said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. I'm thinking, man, that's a lot of weapons a dude has, right? He's got all those things. He says, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. So here is that, that um, precipice. You come with the weapons, and that's the key. I come with the Lord. We'll see who's better. And so David continues. He says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Listen, if nothing else, David can trash talk with the best of them, can he? And that all the assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. And you know the rest, where it says that David reached into his, hand, into his bag and took out a stone and slung it, and it hit the great Philistine on the head, and he fell to the ground. And see, we screw up the application of this sometimes, and that's the point, I think. We'll tell kids, you can be like David. And that's partially true. But, but we kind of spin it to, David had courage, and David was strong, and David did this, and David did that, and so can you. And, and most kids are like, I'm not David. But that's actually the point. You are David. David's a little wimpy shepherd guy with a few stones. The hero of the story isn't David. It's the Lord. That's the point. David's uh, confidence is not in himself. It's because the Lord goes with him into battle. That's what the Hebrews writer wants us to remember. That at the precipice of what may seem impossible to do what God's called you to do, you aren't going to do it because it's you. You're going to do it because you trust that the battle is the Lord's. That's when you, whatever step of faith that you come into, and you're like, God has told me to not shrink back and to do it with integrity or, or to, to, to have purity in my sexuality when all the world says no or to be honest when everyone else would lie. To whatever it is, small, medium, or large, is to say, it doesn't look like it's going to work out. Conviction of things not seen. 
it comes back to the throne of your life. Remember that? Same thing. See, when you're wringing your hands and you're stressed about a situation, you're like, I don't think it's going to work out. It's because you've gotten back onto the throne. You think it's up to you, and you know better than anyone, you stink. I'm going to say that a few times. Don't get offended because I mean me too. But God doesn't. And so you begin to feel great peace about a situation when you finally come to the end of yourself and you realize the battle is not me. It's the Lord. It's him. And if I trust that, if I really believe that, see, that's the thing, is, is you, can, you can come to that precipice like Indiana Jones had, right? And you can come to that in your life, and you now actually have to say, do I really believe this? Am I really a Christian who believes the promises of God? Or do I go to church, and I kind of read my Bible sometimes, I like this music, and that's all good, right? But when it really comes, when that, that road hits, right, the rubber meets the road, and I have to trust God when it looks impossible, that's when I know if my convictions of things I can't see are really there. And so that might be you tonight, or maybe it will be around the corner. What will we do when we hit that? And so uh, the, the key is to remember it's not you. And I, I want you to imagine you're playing in a rec league, maybe at the park or a gym somewhere, basketball team. And I know for some of you, that's like, what? That's not me. So maybe you're watching your kid or your grandkid, okay? But just, just bear with me. And you're on the team, and, and, and you realize you're looking at the other team, and you're like, you know what? They're a lot better than us. <laughs> They're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. It's just a rec league, but we're going to get killed by this team. How can we find a way to forfeit? Because this is not going to go well for us. Look at us. We're just not that good. But then you're, you're trying to think of a way to forfeit the team, and your coach says, oh, guys, we, we have a new player. He's over there warming up. And you look over, and, and this is who you see. His name is Steph Curry. One of the greatest basketball players on the planet today and probably ever, right, for whatever reason, doesn't want to play for the Warriors anymore, wants to play for your little, play for your uh, rec league team. And he's warming up. Oh, now you can trash talk like David, can't you? You start looking over the other teams. What you got, fellas? Oh, nice layup. We'll see how that works. Right now you're trash talking, right? And then the other team, the whole, uh, a, a whole other age group above you, right? Better, stronger. They show up for the next game. You start trash talking them. We'll take you next. Why? Not because you, you still stink. Your team still stinks. You got Steph Curry. You're not losing to that loser team. It's not going to happen, right? Unless he gets hurt or something, that's it. So I know this illustration pales a little bit because Steph Curry ain't God, right? He could potentially lose. But I want you thinking and understanding the point is that when you recognize that the Lord is in the battle, you know you got victory. It doesn't always come the way you want to see it. It doesn't always come in the, in the manner that you want it. It comes in the manner that he wants it. And we're content with that that the victory in the battle is the Lord's. And when we recognize and we see that, we see because we get, especially younger people today, like we get bombarded by self-helpism messages, podcasts and, and, and YouTube and, and Instagram and TikToks and all that where, where it's like, you can do it, man. It's inside of you. All you got to do is release the beast. You just got blah, blah, blah. And for a minute, you're like, yeah, you're jazzed up. And then you go, but I stink. I just not that good, right? I, it's always from people who are already rich and famous and know how it's done, right? And, and we're just like, I can't do that. And we freeze and we shrink back. 
The point of this is not that you can do it. That's the point of every other philosophy and religion on the planet. The point of Christianity is that, yes, you're weak, and yes, you're, you, you have all those flaws, and yes, if it's you facing Goliath, you're going to get smoked, but you got the Lord, and the Lord is in the battle. Will I trust him? And when I do, I begin to pray prayers of faith. Faith. You know that's something you pray about all the time? You wonder why God hasn't answered it? I remember there was one thing, I've shared this before, it was a handful of years ago, something I had prayed about so intensely, personally important to me. And I knew it was God's will from Scripture. So I knew I was praying for something that God would want. And, and I, I would pray all the time about this. Right? And, I, and, I, and I remember one day distinctly, he didn't say it audibly, but you know those kind of rare times it feels like God says it audibly to you? I was like, I really want, and, and, and it was like God said, well, why don't you pray about it? And I, and I literally was like, what do you mean, why don't I pray about it? God, I, I pray about it all the time. And he goes, no, you speak words about it all the time. You don't pray about it all the time. Because prayer is believing that the victory is in me. Why don't you start praying as if with expectation that I'm going to answer it in my time, in my way, and you will have that victory over that. That's actual conviction, not, eh, you're probably not going to do this, but I'm going to keep praying for it. Instead, you say, I believe you're the God of victory. You're in this, right? It's, it's in, you, you are the Lord. And so now, when you pray about your marriage, when you pray about that wayward child in your life, or you, you pray about uh, that ministry that feels like it's failing, you, you now pray with conviction and say, no, no, the Lord's going to do this. Maybe not the way I would do it. Why would I want, my, I'm not on the throne, he is. Do I do it trusting in him. And then we can trash talk the enemy all day long. Like, you got nothing. Not because of me. I'll get smoked by you because of the Lord. He's not just watching us saying, I hope Jamie does really good. He's in it. He goes before you. He's around you. He leads the way. He gives you the wisdom. He gives you the truth. He gives you the strength. The idea of faith, when we come to that precipice and say, yeah, but the Lord's with me. The Lord is with me. And I can do it his way. Which is, a, we, is the Hebrews writer in, in verse 33. It, it, we're picking up mid-sentence. Remember now, he used all those four judges and then Samuel and, and David. And now he's going to kind of say all the things that happened through faith, right? He says, who through faith conquered kingdoms. We've already seen a lot of that, right? But also, and here's what I want to pause on, enforced justice. Like that's a weird thing about faith when you think about it. Enforced justice. Where, what is he talking about there? We don't actually know, but I believe, since he just mentioned David, once again, he's talking about David when he was king of Israel. In fact, um, this is how it's described in 2 Samuel chapter 8. So David reigned over all Israel, and David administered justice and equity to all his people. That was the reign of David. It was the greatest reign until we get to the reign of Christ, when Christ does, blows David out of the water, how he's going to do that. But David was the best uh, uh, kind of shadow of that coming kingdom. That he was a man after God's heart with all his flaws and his sins. And we know he had those. But he was a man after God's own heart. And he ruled the people with this beautiful justice. The Hebrews writer says he did that through faith. Look, what is, look why would, would, would that take faith? Because shouldn't it be easy to do that? You're the king. Do it right. Well, if you look at the kings of Israel, how many did it right? Not many. 
There's a handful that were okay. None of them were as good as David. There's certainly a handful of them that were, that were pretty good. Most of them were disasters. You know why? The human bent, when you get power and you get authority, you are corrupted. It's just how it works in a fallen world. We know that to be true. There's very few who get any kind of serious power and use it for the good of others selflessly. Right? We laugh at that. You know why? Because the bent, or let's just call it the tides of the natural human life, when we just drift along without purposely fighting for what is right, where, which direction do they go? Selflessness? Justice? Putting others first? No! Those tides go towards selfishness and how I can get my comforts and my pleasures and my authority and more and more and more. And so it actually takes tremendous faith to fight against the tides of this fallen world and to say, I'm going to do it God's way. No matter what it looks like, no matter what I can't see, I have the conviction, right, of that, that, I, that I, I'm going to do it the Lord's way, the way the Lord says to do it. And that's how David was a man after God's own heart. And so for us, Living by faith means you come to the precipice of, I don't really see how this is going to work out for me if I don't lie. Everybody else is having, having fun, sleeping with their partners before marriage. Why shouldn't I? I, I? I could just cheat a little bit on my taxes. And I mean, the government takes way too much as it is. I'll amen that all day long. But does that give us a right to cheat? See, all of those little and sometimes big things, whatever it might be, my marriage, my, my job, my ministry, I, 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 am I going to do it God's way, even though it's not going to go well if I confess that to somebody? It's not going to go well, Lord, I'm going to not do that. But he says to do that. You see, David, when he was ruling that way, it was through the Hebrews writer, through faith to do it God's way. Faith is fighting that current fighting that current. To, that's, that's, if, you just, if you're a Christian here, it's like, you know, I'm just going to see where life brings me. You know where it's going to bring you? Selfishness. That's where it's going to bring you. You're not just going to wake up one day and be like, wow, I'm a self-giving, God-loving, putting everyone in front of me first. That's not going to happen. You're going to find that you have been drifted and drifted and drifted. Through faith, you could swim against that current and do it God's way even when you don't see how that's ever going to work out for you. The Lord's in it, and it's his way. And so it, it, the, the, he continues that list of the things that happened. That through faith, he obtained promises and stopped the mouth of lions. Obtained promises, I and mean, we've seen that throughout, right? All of these figures, you know, Moses and Abraham and Sarah, right? All these impossible things that they, you know, you're going to have a baby, old woman, <laughs> you're gonna have you're gonna have descendants, old man Abraham. They're gonna be more than the the stars of the sky. Okay, right. So when when you get the promise, right, it's like I don't see that happening. But now you trust God in it. You look back and you see, like Indiana Jones, well, there it is. But that happens. A lot of you could give testimonies of that. When you trusted God in something, now you look back, you're like, it was there all along. The conviction of something I didn't see, and I trusted God's way. One of the greatest uh, stories of that is how uh, these lions' mouths were stopped. Now we could have been talking about Samson or David as a shepherd, but I think we know 
what the Hebrews writer is talking about here. Right? The, the story of another man of faith named Daniel in the lion's den. You remember that one? Another great one that we teach our kids and usually mess up. That the hero of the story is not Daniel, it's the Lord, right? It's God himself. So, so what happened with that? Well, this is their, they're in Babylon, Babylonian exile, and, and Daniel had risen pretty high in, in the, because uh, he was just such a, a man of wisdom, and, and, and so he was kind of, but he was always um, doing it God's way. I'll eat what God says to eat. I will pray to one God. I will do, he didn't make a big fanfare of it. He didn't have a protest sign or anything like that, right? He didn't take anyone to court. He just said, as much as I can, in, in captivity here in Babylon, I am going to do it God's way. And so he got a lot of jealous people around him. And so they, they, they convinced the king, uh, who loved Daniel, but, and didn't realize they were setting him up. They said, man, you know what we should do? You should uh, uh, make a, a decree, right, that, that for 30 days they can only pray to you. He's like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. That's what most kings do when you have all power. Yeah, pray to me, right? So they make this decree. Everyone's like, yeah, okay, whatever, right? They don't really care as long as the king leaves them alone. And if you don't, you're dead, right? You get thrown in the lion's den. So they make this decree, and so it says Daniel's, what did he do? He went home. He got on his knees. He opened his window towards Jerusalem. He got on his knees, and he prayed to the Lord because that's what Daniel did. He didn't make a big you know, it wouldn't have been, he was by himself. It wouldn't have been a big deal. No one would have even known, but these guys setting him up, they followed him, and they saw it, and they reported him to the king. And so the king was like, oh, he realized now, because he didn't, he didn't want to do this to Daniel, but he couldn't, he couldn't reverse this pronouncement, right, this rule that he made. And so he's like, Daniel, I'm really sorry. It's such an interesting story. It's kind of told almost from the perspective of the king, where he's like wringing his hands, and he's like, I really got to do this now, Daniel, and I don't want to do it, but I got to throw you in this ferocious, hungry lion's den. Like, they're starving. He's like, maybe your God will save you. Probably not with a lot of faith. And Daniel's like, let's do it. Let's do it. And so they throw him into the lion's den. The king goes home. It doesn't really say what happened with Daniel down there, right? But the king goes home and couldn't sleep because he was so worried about Daniel, who he really didn't want to do this to. So he wakes up in the morning, and the king runs to the pit, and he's like, Daniel? Yeah, I'm here. Hanging out. That's my translation. Don't look for that in the Bible, okay? I'm here, right? And so he's like, right, and, and, and let me put it up for you. Daniel 6, 23. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him. No kind of harm was found on him. Why? Because he trusted in his God. You see, doing it God's way takes tremendous faith. It's not particularly complicated. It's pretty simple, really. When we try to do it our way, it gets really complicated. Which lie did I tell to who? What cover-up, what projection of Jamie is to you or you over there? But when you do it God's way, it's actually really simple. You just do it God's way and come what may. That takes faith, though. It's simple. Notice I didn't say it's easy. Those are two very different definitions. It can be very, very hard to go in the lion's den and say, well, Lord, maybe this is it but I'm going to do it your way. I'm not praying to anybody else. I'm not worshiping anybody else. This is how it's going to go down. This is how it's going to go down. I'm going to trust you because even if the lions get me, I know you have a life beyond this lion's den. 
and the victory will ultimately be yours anyway. That is a simple way to live. But easy? Often not. Again, because we're trying to take control. But if the Lord's in it, if I'm trusting the Lord in this battle, if I really believe the conviction that even though I don't see it, it's going to be simpler for me to say, well, Lord, I'm going to be honest here. I'm not going to cheat. I could lie. I could do this. I could do that. I'm not going to. I'm at that precipice. I'm not going to. I'm going to do it your way. And so we fight those currents. The Hebrews writer says one more thing in, in, in that, in verse 34. Quenched the power of fire. Now, again, vague term, could be talking about some different things, but again, I think he's talking about the Babylonian captivity in Daniel chapter 3. This time, not Daniel, but his three friends. You know those guys, right? Come on, if you have went to any kind of Sunday school, maybe you didn't, but if you did, you at one point had to paint or draw a picture of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego in some kind of fiery furnace, right? If not, you're like, what's he talking about? It's an amazing story, very similar were these, there was people jealous of these three guys because they were being blessed by, uh, because they were so wise and they were awesome dudes, but they were following the Lord. And, and, uh, and, and, and so they, they, the, the king builds this gigantic statue, right, this golden image. And he says, every time the orchestra plays, you bow and worship this image. Ridiculous, right? When you're a king, you get bored. You do stupid stuff, right? And, and so he does that, right? So, so again, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego are like, yeah, yeah we're, we're not, we're not going to do that. That's not something we're going to do. And the band plays, and they don't bow. They're like, we're not bowing, right? And so the jealous people reported them. The king got so angry, and he's like, get over here. When that band plays, and they hit those notes, you bow to the image. Otherwise, we've we got this big furnace over here. We're going to turn it up on high, and you're ashes, Right? So what happened? The orchestra plays. Everyone else is, okay, bowing to the stupid image because the king, so the king doesn't make me a marshmallow, right? And, and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego just go, nope. Come what may, it's God's way. Come what may, it's God's way. In fact, I love it, um, how they answer. It's tremendous faith. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. We would do it God's way. But notice how they don't know. Might, he can deliver us, but he might not. The victory might come post-death, but we know it'll come because we trust in the Lord. And of course, you know the rest of the story. They got thrown in there and they looked inside and they just kind of walked around and there was a fourth figure, an angel of the Lord. Some believe a pre-incarnate Jesus. I like to think that. We don't know for sure. Either way, they came out and they didn't even smell like fire, which is crazy. I mean, I just sit around my fire pit, and I smell terrible for like two days, it feels like. They didn't even have a singe on them, covered by God's grace. And what a testimony it was to say, come what may, come what may, we do what God says. 
And so we don't just trust that the Lord's in the battle, but we trust that the way is the Lord's. They used to be called, not Christians, but the way. Some of you Mandalorian fans, right? This is the way. That's what they used to say. What's the way? The way Jesus said. Sometimes a Christian, we sit in church, and you read a passage, you're like, oh, yeah, Jesus said, if someone smacks you on the face, turn your other cheek, right? Or someone, you know, asks for a, 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 a tunic, give them your cloak, too. Uh, one mile, go two with them. And, and, and we're like, yeah, that's great. That's what Jesus said. But now apply it to your life. You're like, what? Someone hits me, I'm, I'm throwing down. Like that's, and suddenly you find yourself in a position of arguing with Jesus because it doesn't make any sense to you because the bent of our human will is, no, 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 I fight. I'm no doormat. I'm not getting taken advantage of. I'm not, I'm not. Listen, I don't think Jesus is saying you stay in a situation where you're abused or anything like that. I just think he's saying put others before you, even your enemies. And we say, oh, that's great, until it comes to our actual life. There's this divide. Will I do it God's way? It takes great faith to say, turn my other cheek? Lion's den? Fiery furnace? But that's what the Hebrews writer is coming at, because their church is at a precipice, and they're shrinking back, and he's saying, keep going, even though you don't see it. Go into the lion's den. Go there because the victory against all odds is the Lord's. Trust him in that. Keep it simple. And I'll tell you this, because some of you right now are maybe in one of those precipices and you're like, it's really hard to trust God in this. But some of you aren't. And you're like, things are pretty good right now. But this specific one right here, fighting against the currents to do it God's way, is so important for you right now. Because David was a man after God's own heart. So when times came, right, he, he was already fighting against those currents. And he lost sometimes. Daniel, he was a man too after God's heart. He was a man who had faith throughout it. So when he came to the lion's den, he'd already been fighting against those currents. So every day when you're like, I'm going to read the word. I'm going I'm to have a time of prayer. I'm going to be in church. I'm going to go to home group even though I'm tired. I'm going to serve at that ministry even though I'm like, ugh, weary. Right? Because you keep fighting now even when you're not at that precipice because it's coming. It is coming. And if you're already fighting those currents, you will get there and you're saying, no, I'm doing it God's way. I'm doing it God's way. And so as we, and by the way, thinking about victorious faith, you might ask, and it would be a really good question, what about when God doesn't deliver you from the lion's den? That's next week, I'm glad you asked. Enduring faith. Because the next part of the Hebrews writer's paragraph is a whole bunch of people where it didn't work out as well. And yet they still had faith. But there, we believe the victory. Regardless if it's the victory we want to see, we know it will be the victory that the Lord has for you. And so the Hebrews uh, writer continues that sem- sentence. They escaped, by, through faith, they escaped the edge of the sword. Many did that. David, Elijah, others. And they were made strong out of weakness. Became mighty in war. We've seen that. Put foreign armies to flight. We've already seen that. So let's just pause on that one aspect. Made, we were made strong out of weakness through faith. Like that's kind of crazy when you think about it. Because remember, we stink. But we need not worry about our weakness. Because the Lord is in the battle. The Lord's way is the right way. This whole idea of strength out of weakness. You remember what Paul had to say about that in the New Testament? 
Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. He's talking about the thorn in his flesh. That it should leave me. But he said to me, what? My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What? You just couldn't bother Paul, right? I mean, you can kill him, huh? die his gain, right? You could throw him in prison. You could throw him. Like, he was just like, hey, I'm, str- I'm strong out of this weakness. Because that's when you're really with the conviction of, 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 the, of things not seen. And your life is truly seeking against the currents. And you believe the Lord's in that battle, right? That that is going to be you. That the, more, the weaker I am, the more glory God gets. And the stronger than I become. Your enemy will have nothing to say about you then. My grace is sufficient. If we could just learn that the days where we feel like we have nothing and we are at our weakest, as hard as those are, there can be your best days. You know what the worst days are? The days that you think you've gained the victory and you got something to say because you end up screwing it up. The day you come to the end and you go, I got nothing. It's when the Lord, you finally just say. You ever heard of the evangelist George Mueller? He did orphanages in in England in the 1800s. Over 150,000 orphans were served by him. He's a man of faith and prayer. Like he just believed all the time. And there's this awesome story, I've told it before, where they had no food. No food in the orphanage. And the kids, he's like, well, kids, we can't be late for school. So let's gather around and we're just going to pray for the food that God's about to provide. What? And the kids are like, okay, right? And so they pray. Literally, as he's praying, a knock on the door. The baker, local baker, comes. He's got all this bread. He's like, I was so bothered I couldn't sleep. I just, God just put it on my heart that you needed food. Brings all this bread in. Then a knock on the door comes, right? The milkman probably wasn't as obedient to God, so his cart had crashed, right? Or it was broken. And so he, he had to get rid of his milk so he could fix it. It was too much weight. So he's like, here, give it to the kids. Give it to the kids. I need to get rid of this milk. Man, they went to school full bellies. And he was just like, trust God. Trust God. Out of your weakness comes this amazing strength because of the Lord. Those days when you think you're at an end to yourself and you're like, I don't, look, I don't wish bad days for you. I really don't. I'm just saying, don't shrink back for the real tough days because it's at that precipice where you finally get to the end of yourself, can be one of the most beautiful moments of your life. Ever heard of Chuck Colson? He was a hatchet man for Richard Nixon. Watergate scandal. Spent seven years in the 70s, I mean, seven months, I should say, in the 70s in a federal prison for what he had done. He was considered a terrible person. He came to know Jesus Christ right before going into prison. And when he got out, he started ministries all over the place. It's called Prison Fellowship. And they've served so many through Christ. So many prisoners have heard the gospel, have received God's word because of Chuck Colson. Imagine that day in prison when he felt like everything had been lost, and it was everything that needed to be lost. So out of his weakness came strength. 
And so I don't wish bad days. I hope you have good days, and I hope you can give God the glory for your good days. But when you have those end-to-yourself moments, and when you realize, I'm not sure the conviction is really there, you can then say, I repent. Repentance is not an ugly religious word. It is a beautiful word where you do an about face and you say, I'm so tired of trying to be in the throne of my life. I make a mess and you turn back and you say, it's you, Lord. That's repentance. It's a beautiful thing. Now God will work. Now you can say, your grace is sufficient for me because I got nothing. You're in this battle. You're in the lion's den. You're in the furnace, right? You're facing Goliath. I'm just along for the ride and trusting you and trusting you and trusting you. Whatever precipice that is, whatever step you need to make, man, strength comes out of weakness by faith, through faith. And there's just one more sentence before we um, turn the rest over till next week, the enduring faith. And even though this is in the next paragraph, I think when, when you look at strength out of weakness that the Lord will bring, This is the greatest time he does it. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Kind of a vague thing. Probably referring to Elijah and Elisha, the prophets, where they raised widows' sons uh, to life, resurrection. But the cool thing is, is that went right into the New Testament. How many times did Jesus, right, tell dead people to not be dead? The book of Acts, the apostles did it, right? And so you see this constant theme of the greatest time you are weak is when you're dead. Or when someone you love is dead. And yet the Lord gets the victory even in that. And that's the gospel. That you and the greatest aspect of our faith is that we trust that the Lord gets the victory even over death. We trust that he's in it. We trust his way. And we also trust that his is the victory even over death. That's the message of the cross. That's why people will get baptized, because we identify that Jesus died, so we die to ourselves. But Jesus rose, and so shall we. The greatest end of ourself comes when we say, Jesus, save me. Save me. There's no weaker point you get to when you're dead and you can't breathe anymore. And yet even in that, the Lord has the victory, doesn't he? We don't have funerals in the Christian church. We have celebrations of what Christ has done. Celebration that that, they passed from death to life immediately. Today you'll be with me in paradise. The victory is the Lord's. And there's no greater time than that is when someone is dead is to trust the Lord has the victory over this grave. He's not just the Lord until you die. And he's like, "Mm, I don't know what to do now. He's the Lord over that grave and over your resurrection, and we can trust him in it. You don't need to fear prison. You don't need to fear, that's what Hebrews writer is saying, you don't need to feel illness, fear illness or even death. By faith, we have the victory because the Lord is in it, and it's his battle. I'm going to um, ask you to close your eyes like we try to do, and I just want to ask you to ask the Lord Lord, do I really, really believe with conviction that this battle that I'm in in my life is yours? This is not um, the time for Sunday school answers or the time to say what you think is the right thing, but do I really believe? Do I really have that conviction of things not seen? 
Father, I pray that you would reveal that to us. Wipe away our excuses, our our go-to religious phrases. They don't work on you, God. Why use them? If we need repentance, lead us to repentance. If we need to get off the throne of our life again tonight, that we would. Show us, Lord. Second question that I want to ask the Lord to reveal to you, to me. Am I doing it your way, Lord? Am I trusting your way? Simple, like Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego, so many others. Your way. That when we come to that, I don't see it. I don't see how this could happen. Lord, we, we want to hear you, Jesus, just say this is the way. I'll show you. Reveal, oh God, those little pet areas of our life that we still want to do our way. Lead us to lay before you right now. Is it our marriage? Is it our job, our money, our time, our sexuality, our fun time, our comforts? Or what is it, Lord? Show us. We want to just be simple and say, I trust your way. Wherever that goes, whatever it may. Lastly, Father, I pray that you would give us the faith, not just words, but faith to believe you. I pray for everyone here, if there's things in their lives that are just having a hard time believing you, that you will have the victory over that. Addiction or relationship or problem or struggle or their doubts. Oh, Lord, that we would be honest with you and finally a reminder that you aren't just getting the victory in this life, but your victory is over the grave. We sang that you have been raised, meaning so will we when we trust you. Lord, I pray for anyone here who just has never put their faith in Christ, that they would, even right now, they just say, I'm done. Done. I can't do it on my own anymore. It's you. She'd give them the faith, open their heart to believe, God, that we might celebrate their baptism. And Lord, will we celebrate that baptism? It's not something that any one of us did. It's you. The battle is yours. The victory is yours. And we give you the glory because of it. I pray as we sing even now, as we worship, as we leave, as we have our prayer times this week, that you would keep bringing that. Am I... Do I have the conviction? Help us, Lord. Help us serve you well and bring you the glory you deserve. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing about where our hope is tonight.